Do you have young kids? You need Kindling. But what is it? It's the guilt-free, screen-free entertainment solution to keep your kids laughing while they learn. Learn cool facts about our amazing world in The Fact Detectives. Discover how the human body works in Busy Bodies with Mr. Snotbottom. And learn the mysteries of rhythm and melody in music time. It's the helping hand every parent needs. Kindling. Made for kids. Loved by parents. Download the free app now. You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a podcast that's all about supporting parents as they bring up children. We've got experts and advice to help you through the more challenging bits of parenting. I'm Siobhan Hunt. There's still a lot we don't know about autism, mainly why some children are born on the autistic spectrum and others aren't. But we are understanding more about the signs that a child might be autistic even to the point of noticing these signs in the adults in our lives. For Jess Offer, having her child diagnosed as on the spectrum was only the beginning. Hi, Jess. How are you? Hi. Well, thank you. Let's start with your daughter. When did you decide to see if they were on the autism spectrum? How old were they? I noticed that there um, there were differences in the way that she behaved when she was in around kindergarten age, so around four years of age. And what were the signs for you that maybe something was going on? Um, she was just quite rigid with certain things. Like she um, she required me to walk the same way to kindergarten. Um, she didn't really like disruptions in her routine. She was quite specific about her needs in certain areas. And um, compared to my second daughter, who was about two at that time, there was just differences and I just, it was a lot harder. And I just kind of noticed that things could definitely blow up if things didn't kind of go to plan. And so once you got a diagnosis how did that make you feel um well it wasn't really about me it was about her because it was about how it made her feel I think mostly but um so if you're asking me about how I feel though I think I felt relieved and I felt like there was a reason and there was an explanation um because certain behaviors can be quite tricky and when you're a parent you know you try all sorts of things and I think with my eldest daughter I I tried all kinds of strategies and even things I didn't really even particularly agree with just to try because I felt so lost. So when it came to her diagnosis, I was thankful because it kind of made sense and behaviours kind of had an explanation. There was a reason for her behaviours and there was a reason for why she struggled with certain things. And how did she feel? Because if she was seven, that's a, a, a little bit older than a lot of children yeah. are diagnosed. How, how was she about it all? I think she felt relieved because it, like it wasn't her. Um, there was nothing specifically wrong with her. It was just that her brain worked differently. And, you know, she was kind of, I, I noticed over the years, she was able to have a bit more grace with regards to the way that she um, interacted with herself because she kind of knew that, you know, it's just the way my brain works and that's okay. Yeah. And so what happened after that to lead to your husband being diagnosed? <laughs> Well, my husband's awesome. He's really opposite to me and I love that for him. We've been together for 15 years now, been married 15 years. We got married quite young. And one of the things that I loved about him from the, from the get-go was that he was, just, he was just so different to anyone else I'd ever met. He was just so just, just so unique and so unlike anyone else I'd ever, I'd ever known. And so when my eldest daughter got diagnosed with ASD, I kind of sat down with him and I was like, wow. Well, she does that um you do that 
she does that. <laughs> you do that. <laughs> and there were lots of parallels. Um, they're very similar in terms of personality. That's not to say that, you know, every autistic person is exactly the same because it's a diverse spectrum and everyone on the spectrum is different. But there were definitely similarities, um, especially with some of the, the ways that they cope with change. And um, it just kind of, I kind of floated the idea with him. I was like, hmm, just, just noticing the stuff because he'd always be quite specific about certain things like he'd like the pantry organized a certain way and I'm pretty messy by nature so I would be like okay honey do what you like you want to organize it <laughs> go for it you know like knock your socks off so there was a, stuff like that that I kind of just accepted as being different and I loved it because it was just completely opposite to me and he kind of balanced me out a bit he um he's very logical very um pragmatic very calculated very systems thinking kind of a person and I'm kind of not like that at all I'm really impulsive quite feisty I learned by stuffing up he he learned he really <laughs> rarely ever stuffs up he often kind of rarely makes mistakes he'll say you know I, I didn't do the wrong thing I was just misinformed and I'm like no you're arrogant and you did the wrong thing <laughs> so <laughs> um yeah so when it came to that I suppose I kind of suggested it to him and he initially he was like no 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 and you know, it started to make more sense because the reason that we, I think he struggled with the fact that our eldest daughter might be on the spectrum was because that all her behaviours were really normal to him because he was really similar to her in heaps of ways. And he was like, well, you know, isn't that normal? And I was like, no, dude, that's not normal. Like, that's not neurotypical at all. So after a bit of time and a bit of kind of, that's not me, you know, a bit of <laughs> denial initially, because yeah. I think, you know, he was 30 at that point. He'd been this way his whole life. And here's someone telling him that, oh, by the way, the reason that you're like this is because of that. Like, I think it would be quite confronting. And I know that that's how he felt. And I think he grieved a bit too because, you know, he struggled with certain parts of his life. And a lot of it was down to his aut autistic um, stuff. So once mm -hmm. he kind of grieved that, he pursued um, a diagnosis through a psychologist. And, yep, sure enough. And I was like, duh. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah. Was it the same process for him as it was for your daughter or do they do it differently when they're yeah, um, working they, with adults? They do do it differently, obviously, because, you know, he was 30 at that time. He wasn't like a lot of his behaviours and his patterns, they were a lot more ingrained. And I think as well, because he didn't have a diagnosis as a child, he had to kind of figure a lot of stuff out on his own without any support. And that's pretty hardcore. Like that's really hard, I think, as an adult kind of having to, to fly your way through stuff and I think that you know my my oldest daughter the process for her I mean it's a lot more about developmentally and there's a lot more because it's because she was only seven when she was diagnosed a lot of her patterns and stuff it was more recent and you could understand stuff so when you're kind of talking to an adult about their ASD you know they're kind of like oh like they they find ways of coping for like so many years and it's like you know, so much stress and so much pressure. And then they're like, oh, hang on, I, I didn't have to struggle. Like there was a reason that all that was for that reason. So it's a lot different because he's, he'd had a lot more of a life. And what does it mean in terms of getting a diagnosis? Because with children, then you can set up different things to help them cope. I mean, it sounds like the first step was your husband understanding that he didn't need to struggle. Yeah. But are the support mechanisms the same? Like do they support adults the same way they support children with occupational therapy and that kind of stuff? Um, I think that it's it's different because when you're an adult and you're on the spectrum, and I'm only speaking on behalf of what he's told me, and I've obviously I chatted to him about this before, and I was like, are you okay with me talking about it? He's like, yes, whatever. So um, <laughs> I think as as an adult, you know, when you're – 
I think when you're getting support as a as an adult, because you, he's already had he was he's working full time, he's had a he's got a job, he's kind of graduated high school, you know. So there's not these sort of supports that you can put in place as an adult because you kind of have already done all that. Um, it's more based off need, and it wasn't until um, only in the last couple of years that he's accessed the NBIS and has been able to utilize uh, occupational therapy and um, other other things for his other condition that he has. But no, it's not the same. Like kids, early intervention is really intense for kids. It can be really intense depending on the, the avenues that you can pursue. And it's a lot more based off, you know, building the social skills and building the social development and kind of, you know, gently kind of strengthening um, areas that they might struggle with and being mindful of like sensory diets and stuff like that. But for my husband, it's not like that as an adult. It's more about, being diagnosed as an adult from his perspective, it's more about that he could stop kind of being so hard on himself. He could stop kind of flogging himself for not being able to do stuff because there was a reason for it. And it was about kind of being more aware of his boundaries as an individual too. So no, I don't do X, Y, Z because I'm autistic and that's something I struggle with. Or actually I'm autistic and I need you to type it down for me because you speak it to me, I'm not going to remember it or whatever. Like mm. there's a level, a higher level of introspection that you get I think that he got as an adult with an ASD diagnosis. And I think that the main thing was that he was able to just give himself a break and be compassionate with himself and kind of go, God, you know, the reason that I've struggled with X, Y, Z for these years, I'm not, you know, stuffed in the head. There's nothing wrong with me. It's for a reason. And that's okay. It's just a lot of self-acceptance. And I think that, I think that that's why I'm passionate about kids getting diagnosed early too, because I think children are going to know when they're on the spectrum they're going to know that they're different like they're going to get labeled whether they get labeled with an asd diagnosis or whether they get labeled as a naughty child they're going to get labels either way but if you get the right label you kind of have avenues to self-acceptance and it's a big part of identity like asd is is not something that you can take on and off like i know for a fact that my husband says that he says that you know it impacts every element of his life and it impacts every every decision he makes everything he does so it's not like, you know, you have autism as in like you have, you know, a, a disease. It's you are autistic. It permeates your identity. It permeates everything. And so having that knowledge, I think um, it just kind of, I think it's really important for identity and, and for the way that people interact with others and fit in with society and know their limits, know their strengths and capabilities. What kinds of things would an OT or, or a therapist be able to help Chris with, your husband? What are things that um, are able to be tweaked for him to make life a bit easier? Yeah, right. He has like a ring that he wears on his finger that's called a, like, a, like a spinning ring. And um, it's like an actual ring, but it spins. And so as you get older on the spectrum, I know for a fact that my 14-year-old as well, she doesn't like stuff that's as overt because, you know, she's getting older and people ask questions. It's different when you're little and you can kind of do whatever you want. But when you're an adult and you're growing into an adult, it's um, things have to be a bit more subtle. And I think it's about the comfort levels too. You know, ultimately people want to fit in, find their place in society. So I know that Chris uses like a, like a ring sometimes that he spins. He loves his noise-canceling headphones because it cuts out external noise partially for his other condition, but also because he wear, he enjoys, he wears like um, tight gloves, he enjoys pressure. OTs can kind of help with navigating situations that might be tricky and they can kind of help with making things a bit more bearable and just utilising like, uh, like tools. And I think um, as a 30-year-old, he was pretty aware of his sensory preferences. <laughs> like he knows yes. that he does not like loud noise. 
he does not like, like I'm not allowed to chew food with my mouth near him or he'll divorce me. Um, <laughs> you know, it's a major trigger point. He, he hates some certain textures. He hates certain things. He struggles with things being a certain way if they've changed and not having much warning. To be honest, though, I think when you're 30 years old, you kind of figure that, that stuff out. But an OT can kind of help with offering alternatives. And I think um, his diagnosis too, it helped him uh, with managing work as well. Like it helped him kind of be open with his colleagues about his ASD and just kind of have that level of understanding. And I think that that, that really helps as well. Has it made a difference in your lives as a couple? God, yeah. <laughs> because cause like, like I loved him before his ASD diagnosis and I loved him afterwards, but it's a lot easier when it's the devil you know, like I, not the devil you know, but like when you're aware of something, you can mm. work with it. But when you're like, why are you doing this? Like it's driving me crazy. But then it just kind of gives me, it makes me more compassionate. It's made me less kind of, I mean, not to say that I wasn't compassionate beforehand, but I think it allows me to be more compassionate. It allows me to be more understanding. It allows me to be more accepting too. Like I, for example, in the evenings, once our children are asleep, there's like about an hour period where Chris can let me talk and then after that he's like okay like you need to stop talking so I need quiet and that's completely fine by me he's more he's more able to express his boundaries and his and have his needs met whereas beforehand if he'd said to me pre-ASD diagnosis I need you to just shut up woman I'd be like (laughs) you know but the fact that he needs quiet after a certain amount of time I'm kind of like okay sweet and um He's a lot, he's very clear with what he can and cut off from me. And he will say to me, you know, this is something you need to talk to your girlfriends about. Or this is something that you need to go and talk to your therapist about. Because he's realizing that, you know, his capabilities as an autistic 38 year old male now are to this point. And if I need more than that, then I need to find it elsewhere. And that's completely fine with me too, because I know where I stand. And I, I love him and I don't want to push him into being uncomfortable or being worn out. So I think it's kind of helped our marriage because the communication styles have been a lot clearer too like we have a really famous whiteboard in our kitchen and if I need something done I write on the whiteboard I could tell him to do something 25 times and he would just be like yep sure and then that's it in the in one ear and out the other um but if I put it on our whiteboard he will do it and if I email it to him he will do it so it's kind of helped our communication styles too because I know what he needs and yeah he's able to kind of it's just made it a lot easier what about as a family Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, two-thirds of our family is on the spectrum. There's, like, me and my other daughter, and we're not we're the neurotypicals in a family of six. So there are four autistic people who live under the one roof. It can wow. be quite interesting, yes, <laughs> because <laughs> they're all different, and they're all – and some of them – like, one of my daughters is very loud, and my other daughter, who is autistic, is hates noise. But to be honest, as a family, I think we just kind of – we're very intuitive with um, everyone's needs and also my needs as a non-autistic person and my other daughter's needs as a non-autistic person. Like, you know, we just have an understanding and um, there's a lot of acceptance. And also, like, we just kind of bounce. Like, you just kind of work around each other and there's no real drama. And I think when you're interacting with people outside the family too, nothing really shocks us and nothing really is kind of like, it's all kind of sweet because, you know, we manage each other's stuff. And we kind of look out for each other as best we can. And there's, it's quite open in terms of communication. Like there's nothing that's not really up for discussion. And um, my girls are very good at kind of expressing their needs. And I am as well. Like I will say, okay, I need no one touching me, no one talking to me because you're all being crazy and I need you to just bugger off for 20 minutes. I think we just, yeah, it works. It works. You get each other. Yeah. 
Well, Jess, thank you for sharing your story today. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. That's Jess Offer. And for more information about the autism spectrum, check out the links in the notes of this episode. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time. Hold up. 